All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here on a nice Friday, beautiful Friday. Last Friday in April, we're into May next week. It's very exciting. Playoff hockey is at its peak. It's an exciting time, Tim. I know they say it a lot, but it is. It's fun. There was a bunch of games last night that we're going to recap. One elimination finally in the books. A couple of teams extended their life to another day but more importantly how are you i want to get an update and i've had some fans reach out no i haven't but i know listeners are interested in the rom-com that is your life the little meet cute that happened at the wedding has there been a follow-up date after that there has yeah yeah it's just Mm. cool we hung on a couple times tim i like it I learned something uh, recently, too. Did you know Albert Einstein was actually a real person? What are you saying? He, he was, was a real a person? person? Yeah. Is this some kind of stupid joke that I'm going to fall for? I thought he was a theoretical physicist. It is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite joke. I learned it the other day. I'm going to tell it to everyone. If you guys say it, you have to credit me. But everyone's going to use it. It's such a good one. I love it. Because people believe it. They're like... Wait a minute. <laughs> I have an actually really funny joke I'll tell you after the show. It's very funny. <laughs> As opposed to this one that's not funny? No, this one. It's a, it That is a thinking man's joke. I enjoyed it. Very good. Very, very good. I, you know what I didn't mention? I took the kids to the Great Wolf Lodge this past weekend. Did they love it? Loved it. Well, I, I'll, let me correct. I didn't take them. Their grandparents took them. And then I piggybacked on the trip and I said, let me take the last day and I'll swim with the kids in the pool. So that's what I did. I didn't pay for anything. I wanted to go there once, but you have to actually like be a guest. Like you get the book. Yeah. You win. Right. And so love them to death. Uh, the kids, grandparents booked this massive suite. It had like two levels and they took the kids on a Saturday to Sunday or Sunday to Monday. Excuse me. And I took a Monday night. The Great Wolf Lodge is nice. They let you Stay the night on the Sunday, and then you have access to the park till 8 p.m. the next day. So it was great. I took them there. One one of the grossest things is just like a, a indoor water park. It's so gross. 
It's muggy. It's humid. The HVAC in there isn't very good. They need more air ventilation in there. It's just, it's just dirty. People everywhere who should not have a two-piece swimsuit on, if you know what I'm saying. And um, tattoos on these people just all over their bodies. I'm just like, what is happening? Don't you have three eye opening? Three or four. I have one tattoo. But I also like big one. I also have around 15% body fat. Like I I still look fairly good. I don't have 80%. And I'm not fat shaming. You gotta know your body. You You gotta know your body. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying you gotta know yourself. You, You can't have a big panther tattoo on your side maybe that's why they're wearing a, a, a two-piece they want to show off the tats but i was just like dang aggressive aggressive stuff at the great wolf lodge my kids are like what is going on it's like just focus on the water and then we're on the lazy river oh i was gonna ask if there's a lazy river that's lazy where river. To the bathroom it's get. i'm getting to that all of a sudden one of the lifeguards like very nonchalant very just nonchalant. you know what everyone out of the pool we're gonna do some routine maintenance I'm like, or out of the lazy river. I'm like, all right, no urgency whatsoever. We go around one more time. As I'm getting out, turd nugget on the steps oh. <laughs> of the of the lazy river. My kid almost stepped in it. And I'm like, do you want to have a little bit of urgency here? The lifeguard's like, let's get out of this water. Like a baby has pooped in here. And it might have been my baby. I don't know. Cause I'm not, it is what it is. You know, life happens, but it's like just and then not 45 minutes later, we're back in the water. <laughs> are they going through with one of those long nets and just scooping it out? They are. Uh-huh. Yeah. She had to skim her out. But it's, you got to do more. You got to like sanitize it somehow. It's they dumped the a bunch of chemicals yeah. in there and they had to wait a half an hour to 45 minutes or longer to kind of circulate it. So they did do their uh-huh. due diligence, but still it's like <laughs> more like their poo diligence. Boom. Now that's a joke. <laughs> now we're talking Can we wrap it up there should we go now home we're talking <laughs> but it's just like you're swimming in feces you know what i mean and i loved it and then i went in the smaller hot tub and that's even worse uh-huh. you just pee oh it's like 20 kids in there and they're just tinkling and you know they are because they're <laughs> yeah. like they they just swim and then they just stop <laughs> it's like what are you doing <laughs> nothing oh, yeah right Will your um will your new house next house have a hot tub? No, I don't like hot tubs. I'm not a big hot tub guy. I never liked them in the NHL. Never really liked them before I started playing hockey. I like a nice sauna and a steam room. So I think we're going to incorporate that into the design if we can. If we can. My last house, I had a steam shower and a sauna. Fantastic, oh, just fantastic. It's a different heat. You've never lived until you've just saunaed jump in the shower turn the steam on first so when you get in it's like just steamy i had a bench in there i'm really bragging right now but i had it and it was it was great my new host won't have that just because i'm kid poor or i'm kid rich life poor what's the sign <laughs> i don't know i'm poor do you ever think about how much money you'd have if you never had kids millions i would have millions i look at my career earnings and it was somewhere be around like six million but then i've done other stuff along the way you know, I made a lot of money with the book and the movie and all that stuff. All of it's gone. And I'm not even exaggerating. All of it is gone. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone's like, we got to like hoping some of the kids don't go to college. <sighs> I'm like, be a nun. Come on, go be a nun somewhere. <laughs> it's funny. But anyways, moving on, let's get to the 
Let's get to the elimination game. Tim and I were talking earlier. It would have been fun if the Jets had won. All the teams would have been three and two going into a game six. Very exciting, showing the parity of hockey. But, you know, someone's got to be eliminated first. And this year, it's the Winnipeg Jets. The Vegas Golden Knights took care of business, finally eliminated them. Rightfully so. Vegas is a juggernaut of a team. They get Mark Stone back right when the playoffs start, cap circumvention. He played fantastic in game five, put up three points, I believe. Looked really, really solid. First couple games, getting his feet back into it, getting his hands back into it. He really looked good in game five. He was their best player. That line with him and Chandler Stevenson looked pretty legit, Tim. Everything was clicking for the Vegas Golden Knights. Laurent Brossois played great. The Jets... You know, what do you what do you do with this team? They start the season so great, high expectations. They go out of the deadline, make some moves, get Nito Niederreiter, didn't trade anybody. I think that's more of note where they could have maybe been sellers, but they added. They said that we're going to invest in this team. We got a world-class goaltender in Hellebuck. We got Shifley. We got Wheeler. We got Connor. We got Dubois. We got all these players. They win one game. Now they're done. Their coach, Rick Bonus said, I'm disappointed and disgusted right now in the lack of a pushback from his team. Vegas deserved to win. Not good. Not good when you're on the ropes and you're fighting for your life and you don't have any sort of pushback. It it was a lopsided game, lopsided series. Vegas is only getting stronger. So they're, they're looking very, very good, poised to potentially make a Stanley Cup run. What did you think of this series, Tim? Yeah, something's going on with Winnipeg. For the coach to be, I mean, I, I get that's probably an emotional moment for him, and he's very frustrated with his team, and rightfully so, but that's pretty, like, you're lambasted your guys in the media. And and whether he's right or not, this is an ongoing, recurring theme with Winnipeg Jets. There have been reports the last couple of years about the locker room culture, about the lack of, like, drive, and people have denied it, but, like, this stuff keeps happening. So something's going on with it. It's got to be the leadership group, right? It's, it can't just be... One guy, it's the whole it's the whole thing. We had one of those guys on the show. So I, I I'm with you. It's 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 the top, top guys on this team. And you just get that vibe when you talk to them. Like I know when we had Josh Morrissey on the show, I I hate stowing throwing stones, but I gotta be honest with my listeners. When he was on the show, the guy's an all-star caliber defenseman. When we clicked stop recording, I'm like, I don't want that guy on my team. I'm not, I'm not paying that guy $7 million, $8 million, whatever he makes, you know, he just didn't have that it factor. Maybe I'm wrong, but that you need that personality. I don't know. I just didn't think he had it. Well, maybe. uh, Yeah. Seth Jarvis was the very next interview, I think. And the, the difference between those two guys and part of it's maybe age, but they're not even that far apart. It's just, yeah, it's Seth Jarvis has got like a, He's a life flame. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know, like, he's a spark yeah. to him. And uh, more Well, so even like, just transition, staying on the back end, you look at a guy like Mo Sider. We had Mo on the show. It's like, Mo's got that. You know, you, you can tell. It's like, I want you on my team. Yes, please. More of Mo Sider. Mo Mo. Mo Mo. Nice. You're killing it today. All right. But the Winnipeg Jets are done. The Vegas Golden Knights are moving on. The big thing with this series I just wanted to touch on, the big difference for me how aggressive the Vegas Golden Knights were. They were just swarming. They'd get the puck deep. If they couldn't carry it in across the zone, they would dump it in. And they weren't just content with sending one guy in and seeing what happens. They were blitzing. The defensemen were pinching 
all the time. The forwards were getting in on it. They always had a guy back, a high center or a high winger. They were pressuring the Winnipeg Jets everywhere on the ice. And the Jets defense couldn't have it. They they couldn't handle it, excuse me, especially with Josh Morrissey when he went down. They didn't have enough puck-moving defensemen to kind of take take control. They resigned themselves to just getting the puck and rimming it around the boards and hoping for the best. And when those Vegas D were pinching, there was nowhere to go. We saw it, I think, two goals directly resulted from that in this game five. They try to rim it around. It bounces around off the defenseman, off the winger, into the slot. Mark Stone gets one, and the first goal was the same issue. They tried to figure it out, and then Vegas gets a hold of the puck, and it's chaos, and it's in the back of the net. So very good game plan by the Vegas Golden Knights. Their their coach, man, whoever let him go, big mistake, because Bruce Cassidy, he's a good coach. He he really, really is. Was it a mistake? Montgomery's doing pretty good for himself, too. Where is he? (laughs) The Bruins of Boston. The Bruins, they must have won their series by now. Best team in, in NHL history, right? Moving on. Let's talk They're still about trying to Devils. figure it out. But no, Thank let's you. talk about one more thing with this. Kind of interesting news before the game. Phil the Thrill gets scratched. His first healthy scratch in his, his life, I would assume. The guy's never been healthy scratched. He hasn't missed a game playoffs regular season since 2009, Tim. 2009. That's... I was in high school. That's that's a long time. So there's all 2010s, like 11, 12, 13. There's a, it's a long time. That's like 15 years of him not missing a game, and he gets healthy scratched when the team's up three to one in the playoffs. So interesting, interesting situation there. I don't know why he was healthy scratched, but hey, it obviously didn't affect the Vegas Colton Knights. They played fantastic. Good for them. Moving on. They're going to get a little bit of a break because every team in the West – Still has another game, potentially two to go. Moving on. Devils, Rangers out east. You must have just been feeling good last night with how your boy Jack Hughes played. I'll let you start. Devils, Rangers. Well, it's 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 crazy to like it feels so long ago, but the Rangers won the first two games in New Jersey and by a score of five to one in both of those games. So that's ten to two through two games. And everyone was like, What the heck happened with the Devils? The series is just about over. And then the Devils have won three straight, two of those at Madison Square Garden, four nothing last night. It's just a different team. It's and part of it. I want to talk about uh, Akira Schmid, the goalie. But what did you see from last night's game? You know it, what happened to the Rangers' aggressiveness? What happened to their mentality? What happened to their hard work? They really only have a couple players who have played good this whole series. Canners looked okay. Adam Fox has looked okay. But other than that, their star players are absolutely not showing up. Panarin has two assists. Zabinajet has two assists. They aren't doing anything. You take out those first two games, Kreider's been invisible. It's really, it's striking how bad they are. The only player who really has played good for them is Shesterkin. The guy has played lights out, and he did it last night too. Even though they lost, what was it, 3-0, 4-0, He played fantastic. He was was lights out. And I would be upset if I was him. It, It harkens back to the time when I was there where we had Lundqvist. It's like the guy would stand on his head night in and night out. And we would eke together a few goals, even though we had a payroll through the roof. We had Brad Richards, Marion Gabrick, Callahan, all these high-end forwards, and we couldn't figure out a, a goal. And the same thing's happening now. You have Panarin. You go, you get Tarasenko. You get Kane. You have Zabinajad. You have Kreider. You had these young studs, Kako. You have all these guys, Tim. You have so much firepower, and you can't figure it out. 
it just it just goes to show that you can't just throw money at everything to try to see if it works because it's not working. I don't know why. This team is fantastic on paper. It's just not working. Maybe it's Gerard Gallant. He's not pushing the right buttons. I don't know. But for whatever reason, the Rangers have been bad the last three games. They can't get any offensive pushback. And it's sad because Shesterkin is keeping them in every single game. You you caught it. He was frustrated last night because every every time he looked up, it was a two-on-one, it was a three-on-two, it was a turnover. He was getting just shot after shot after shot, and there was nothing that he could do. He was just making highlight reel saves, and it just the Rangers weren't having any pushback whatsoever. Yeah, so there was that moment where there's a two-on-one, he makes a really good glove save, and there's a quick break, and he skates out to his bench to yell at his team. And it's sort of a motivation, but very frustrated, too, and he basically said, wake the F up. Do you ever see a goalie skate to the bench and yell at his team? Oh yeah, that's not something you have. Okay, like when it, it takes a lot. Not for that often, to happen, right? But it does take a lot. I've had goalies. Goalies are psycho. Like I've had goalies yell at me all the time. Get out of the lane, you paper, paper, paper. And I turn around. I'm like, I'm not even near the lane. It was in like one of my first seasons. Nicholas Baxter from Minnesota, the most soft-spoken guy. I, I goalies yell all the time, so I don't think that's uncommon. But maybe for him it is. But it's it's good when they like um one of the better goalies in the league yells a lot, Jordan Bennington. He seems to yell a lot. So yeah. it's it's very common, but yeah, it's it's not a good look in the playoffs, game five. A very important game. And you don't show up. Did you see the what was it? The second goal? Even the first goal was a good indicator. Let's do this. Minute into the game, Tim. You have a defensive zone faceoff. You win the faceoff. Vincent Trocek wins the faceoff. Puck goes back to Shesterkin. He has to make a little pad save because Trocek wins it clean. I went back and I looked at it. The guy from New Jersey wasn't doing a shot off the faceoff. He was trying to draw it back himself. Trocek wins it back. Shesterkin hits it with his pad. The Rangers have three guys there. You have Tarasenko, you have Panarin, you have Fox. All three of them, Olay. Tarasenko's turning the wrong way to go to the blue line. Panarin's not interested. He's just kind of standing there, and Fox is just cement boots. It's insane. Palat jumps by him, gets a shot off, goes in the net, one nothing. That should never happen. You're not ready for the game. You're not prepared for the faceoff. You're not engaged in anything. You're waiting. For something to happen. You've got to be engaged. The same thing on the second goal. It's a power play. Panarin throws an absolute just grenade across. Or Fox throws a grenade across to Panarin. Panarin tries to handle it. He kicks it to the middle. Which is a bad move. He should have let it go past him. Hits the board. So he at least protects himself if he can't handle it. All that aside. The effort back is glaring. I don't care if you know you're not going to catch him. I don't care if they're... 25 feet in front of you, you have to put in the effort. It's all about the optics. I don't know if he's been out there for a minute and a half. They were on a power play, so I assume he wasn't gassed. Did you see his effort on the back check? All of it's the It's so bad. Yeah. But that one in particular, it's just him. It's him chasing a two-on-one, and he stops skating at the red line. You're the guy, Panarin. It's you. And you can't even, like, Put on a show like Hollywood it a little bit and keep your legs moving, even though you know you're not skating that hard. He legit just stops skating. He slumps his shoulders. He's looking at the ice and he just goes, screw it. I'm done. I give up. And then Mercer scores an absolute laser of a goal. It's just. It's a bad look. It's it's a bad look for everybody involved. It 
pumps up the devils because they go, this guy's not even trying. We're going to work you. It deflates your whole team because you're their guy that they look to. And it just, it puts a target right on your back, which you don't want because you turn down the C. So you obviously don't want to be in that situation, but you're just bringing it all on you. Get ready to answer a bunch of questions in the off day, but why you aren't trying what's going on this and that, because it's all, it's there, Fred, man, let's go like, pick it up. It's game five, pivotal game five. I know you, you want to point out a good from New Jersey. So what's going on? What have they done? Well, Tim? Well, I want to talk about Akira Schmid, the goalie. He came out of nowhere, really. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2018. And in those five or so years, he went through, like, really through the ranks. And so he's still only 22 years old, but he played in the NAHL, USHL, which is like the American equivalent of juniors, basically, right? And then AHL, finally NHL. He's had 24 career starts going into this postseason in the NHL. Nothing in the playoffs. So they go down 2 nothing, 10 goals in two games. Lindy Ruff makes a change, takes out Vanacek, put in this unproven rookie. And in three games, he's allowed two goals total. Two goals total. That's a 6.63 goals against, 9.76 save percentage. And they talked about it on the broadcast, too. When you've got a young goalie, an un- unproven goalie, sometimes the players play better in front of them, too. Like, they they step up and because they want to set him up for success. And even when they haven't, he's made the big saves. And he's it's crazy, too, because, like, Sir Sturkin, it's not his fault. He let in four goals last night, but it's not like he's the reason that they're not winning this series right now. But Schmid is probably the reason that the Devils are. Yeah. And I said it before game three. I said the Rangers have a tendency and a history of making backup goalies look like Vesna Trophy winners. And it's happening again. Schmid's a good goalie. He's a third stringer. That's what he, that's what he is. But he's making the saves, man. The Rangers are making it very easy on him. They're not getting traffic. They're not making a move side to side. There's no second chance pucks anywhere. So the guy's having decent rebound control. When there is a save to be made, he makes it. I think he had one or two really good saves last night. But as a whole, the Rangers just stunk. This is more on the Rangers than it is on the Devils. The Rangers stunk. They can't do anything. The Devils aren't doing anything outrageous. They, you know, they get a shorthanded goal. They get a couple power play goals. I know um, Hall's goal was not on the power play. It, it was still a five on four. So they still can't do anything five on five, but the Rangers aren't any better. Aside from those first two games when they scored five goals, I think they've scored two in the last three. It's not, it's, it's everybody knows it's not good enough. Kako sucks. Lafreniere's got zero points, I think. Well, like, what? Well, gas them, gas them all, get rid of all of them. On that point, too, you said the last two years, the Rangers will go as far as the young kids will take them, especially when you have a top line canceling each other out. It's those it's those young kids that have to step up, and they're not doing it. But on the flip side, the Devils, if, if I told you that through five games, Timo Meyer would have zero points, wouldn't you think it was like 3-2 De- Rangers or even 4-1 and the series was over? Without a doubt. I was like, this game is over. This is a low-scoring series. It's it's actually very interesting to watch. It's a good game, but yeah, I thought the Rangers would be doing okay. When you look at the Rangers' stats, it's just depressing. It is very depressing how if you take out those first two games, which I know you can't, that was the majority of the points Kreider and Kane got, same with Fox. They have nobody. Nobody has any points. Like nothing. Panarin hasn't doesn't have a goal. Zubinijad doesn't have a goal. Uh, Lafreniere, he's been invisible. Absolutely invisible. So... It's frustrating when you're getting played that many minutes. Lafreniere's he's up to 15, 16 minutes a game now. Like you have to produce, you have to get something going. And I'll, I'll stand by my comment from three years ago. They will go as far as those kids take them. They're not kids anymore. 
or third year. It's time to wake up, Peter Pan. Like, let's go. Are you that guy or are you not? I don't think you are. I think you get rid of Fernier this offseason. You keep Kako. Boom. Get rid of Tarasenko. Get rid of Kane. Unless they want to come back for a small contract. But it's 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 depressing. It's 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 very depressing if you're a New York Rangers fan. Moving on. The game of the night. The the series of the millennium. Tampa Bay, Toronto. Everybody wanted this. Everybody got it. We're very excited. Toronto somehow managed to be up three to one going into game five at home. That's why you play the regular season. You want the home ice advantage. Everything is skewing their favor. Toronto with the big comeback in game four, three goal deficit wins at four to three or five to four in overtime. Excuse me. All the momentum Tampa Bay reeling. But who are we running into? It's elimination Vasilevsky. This guy doesn't lose when there's an elimination game. He's a brick wall, especially versus Toronto. The guy is unstoppable. He's been very pedestrian this series. I think if you were to look at both goaltenders, Samsonov would have the edge. Vasilevsky hasn't played that strong. He's letting in very pedestrian shots where no one's no one's in the way and he's getting beat clean. The first goal was case in point. Morgan Riley beat him clean. No one in the way. You should have saved that shot. You're an NHL goaltender. You got to make that save. Other than that goal, played lights out. Vasilevsky played absolutely lights out hockey last night. Unbelievable. Samson up. Not so much. Not so much. Tampa Bay wins four to two. Here we go, Tim. You have a lot of thoughts about this series. I want to know, and our listeners want to know what Tim Wurzberger has to say. Well, I said it before the game. Like what you're going to see is that a backs against the wall intensity from an experienced team that isn't going to lose three straight playoff games. They're just not going to do it. And that's what we saw last night. They played really well. They were, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause like it was back and forth. And even though they were winning for most of the game, it didn't feel like they had the game in hand really to the end. And even at the end, when it was up three to one, they pulled the goal. I want to say four minutes, 41 four minutes. Seconds. Yeah. And it was like, even on the broadcast, they were like, this is a lot of time. There's a lot of trust you're putting. Although if there's any team that could do it, it's probably the Leafs without a firepower they've got. And then they get one with, I don't know, two and a half, three minutes left. Yeah. And then you think, oh, here we go. This could be something special. And the thing I was thinking, too, they kept showing Maple Leaf Square. They kept showing, like, the fans in the arena. They played a lot of money to be there in the building when Tampa, I mean, Toronto finally wins a playoff round. It was a special night for them. Like, this was, this was a special night for the city of Toronto. Where it could have been, but Tampa said otherwise. And so, yeah, it's four to two. And now the series is heading back to Tampa. We know where this is going, right, John? Well, let's just not move on from the game just yet. Why? Why? Why do they lose? Justin Hall. I. Uh, you guys know I don't like being too harsh on players. I'm very, uh, you know, I got a soft spot for the players. Just kidding. I'm I'm hard on everybody. Justin Hall sucks. It's not Justin Hall's fault. I, I see all these pundits. I see all these faces. Talking heads saying, get him off the ice. He's garbage. He's this, he's that. It's his fault. Yes, he has had a bad series. I'll I'll give you that. Tampa Bay scored 20 goals. Paul's been on for 14 of them. Nine at even strength. The Leafs have been outscored 14 to two with him on the ice. Everybody sees it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over TSN. It's everywhere. Yes, man. Everybody sees it. The person whose fault this is, is Sheldon Keefe's. You're the coach of the damn team. You put the players on the ice. You make the pairs before the game. You know the matchups. You know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. Your weakness is your third D pairing. Mark Giordano, I don't know if he's hurt. He's definitely old. He's not playing very good. You pair him up with Justin Hall. 
you have to protect this pairing. You have to know when to put them on the ice, give them a chance to succeed. Every time I see these two on the ice, they're playing with Toronto's fourth line, who, by the way, was very bad last night in their own right. Sam Laftery was awful. David Camp was invisible. Zach Aston Reese, no. The bottom, those three guys were bad. Bunting should have been in the lineup. That's a whole other conversation that I was right on. Everybody's, oh, Bunting, he's, he's a this, he's a nuisance. What happened when Matthew Nyes went down? Would have been nice to put Bunting up in that second line unit. A little bonus, put him right in there. But anyways, back to Justin Hall. He's a bad defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. He's an NHL caliber defenseman. He's a good player. He's getting thrown under the bus big time right now because of Keefe. Sheldon Keefe has put him in a terrible situation. Awful. That's, that's, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. He shouldn't be on the ice. You should put a Lilligan in. You should have never traded Sandine. You got Justin Hall and Giordano just patrolling the ice. Giordano's old. Justin Hall can't move. And Tampa Bay is just dominating them. John Cooper is has taken Keith behind the woodshed and has just beaten the tar out of him. Every time those two are on the ice, you can see Cooper. He wants one of his first two lines on the ice. And it's paying off. They are absolutely crushing them, Tim. You've got 14 of 20 goals versus that pairing. 14 of 20. That's insane. That's a lot. And he doesn't play. Like, a Hall only plays probably 13 to 15 minutes a night. You don't think John Cooper is telling his forwards that are on the ice if Justin Hall jumps on or if there's a faceoff, change right away. We want to get the matchup. Keith's not doing that. There's no urgency in the Toronto coaching staff to match lines. There's no urgency to do anything. They're rolling the lines. Justin Hall is getting exposed. It's Keith's fault, and it's too late. You can't all of a sudden insert a Lilligren into game six and say, go and play good. It, it, the pressure's too high. You have to keep Hall there. You have to keep this team. Maybe address it for the next series if you get past Tampa Bay, but gosh. Yes, Hall is bad, but it's Sheldon Keefe's fault. This is this falls on him, in my opinion. So it's just a bad look. And yeah, Samsonov should have had the second goal, even though Justin Hall gets walked. He should have never made that hit attempt in the neutral zone, trying to hit Hagel. I don't know what he's doing there. It's a bad play. Yes, he's on the ice for the third goal. It, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. But at the end of the day, it falls on the coach. So that that's my spiel. I think Hall's getting a lot of the brunt when it should be kind of focused on Sheldon Keefe a little bit more. Well, another stat too that kind of blows your mind is the Tampa, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are 0 and 10, 0 and 10 in closeout games in the last five years. This has been, <laughs> this has been their worst nightmare. Now, like I said, you're going back to Tampa. They're feeling confident. They think they're a better team than you. And they also know that they have more experience and they're better when their back's against the wall than you are. Can you win in Tampa? I don't know. You, you Toronto's to won win. the last two games there. You either have to win in Tampa or you have to win game seven. And both of those things are two things that Tampa does very, very well. And so that's, oh man, I, I actually want Toronto to win, believe it or not. But I also just, I will enjoy so much if they blow this three to one series lead. Well, let me ask you this. Out of the five games, who's been the better team in each game? Because in my opinion, I feel like Tampa has been the better team in four of the five games. Toronto dominated game two. They win seven to two. I think that was the outlier of this series. But every other game, I feel like Tampa's been the best team. And you just can't keep going back to the well if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Game one, you get waxed. You respond in game two. Game three, you're losing by two in the last minute. Like it, it, It's a three to one game. 
Riley scores, and I think Matthew scores to tie it up, sends it to overtime. You win that game at overtime. Game four, you're down four to one, and you come back to tie it up. You go to overtime, and you win. I don't, I don't feel like Toronto's been the best team in this series. So I feel like they're lucky to be going to Tampa Bay up three to two. So I don't know. Well, even I hate, I know it's such a bandwagon thing to hop on Matthews and everything, but you don't, even besides the goals, you don't see the same like takeover energy intensity that like a Nathan McKinnon does in that playoff run or prime Patrick Kane or McDavid or like some of these other superstars, the way they just like carry the team on their backs when they, when they need to. And Matthews doesn't do that. Like he's so, so talented and he's still going to be effective, but there's a, there's a gap there between what these guys are doing and what he's doing out there, even though he's probably at least as talented as, as Nathan McKinnon, right? If not more. Matthews is not Toronto's best player. I've been saying this for years now. It's Mitch Marner and Mitch Marner has had a fantastic playoffs. I don't think the problem with Toronto has been their first line. I think it's the third. I think it's the fourth. I think it's the deep pairing. That's been the issues. It's Mitch Marner's team. He's the guy. If I, <laughs> what's funny about Toronto? Importance factor on this team. I think Marner's the first. And then I think it goes Morgan Riley on the back end. Then I think it goes to Johnny Tavares, maybe even Ryan O'Reilly. I think you can lose Austin Matthews and you're fine if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think he affects oh. the team as much as those other guys do. If you eliminate Matthews, Toronto still has a very good team. If you eliminate Marner, it has a bigger effect for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, and I could honestly, it's going out on a stretch saying you could eliminate a 60-goal score. I think losing Marner, Riley, O'Reilly, and Tavares has a bigger impact than losing Matthews. There. And I, and I firmly believe that. Matthews is a world-class player. But I, I do think those guys have a, a larger impact on the game as a whole. Well, I think you're definitely right about Marner. The rest of I'd have to think about it, but yeah, it might not be as crazy as it sounds. Tim, Morgan Riley, and you got to give me Morgan Riley too. That guy is an anchor on the back end. He he yeah. does so much for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know they brought in Jake McCabe, but with how Giordano and Justin Halls have played, Morgan Riley's playing with a bag of cement with skates on and Luke Shen. And he's still playing fantastic. And I Luke Shen's a good defense. I'm just dumping on him because he's so big. But he does so much for this back end, especially with the loss of Rasmus Sandin. He was supposed to be the other guy who could be a puck moving defenseman. I know TJ Brody can somewhat fill that role, but goodness gracious, does Morgan Riley do a lot in that back end? So I, th I think he's more important than an Austin Matthews. But game six, what's the plane ride like going to Tampa Bay from Toronto? They're flying today. They would have slept last night, got up, had a nice breakfast. They're at the rink. They're probably getting on the plane right about now or driving to the airport. What's the environment like, Tim? Do you think A for Tampa and B for Toronto? Oh, Tampa's pumped, obviously. Because you yeah. got, I was thinking about that yesterday too. Like the two days, the 48 hours after winning a playoff game must just be so good. It must be such a high that you're on, especially a game like that. And then on the flip side, it's got to be a long two days if you lose, especially in this situation. They, Like I said, they, this was the big night for Toronto. They had a chance to do it at home for the first time in a long time, and they didn't do it. They really, really didn't want to go back down to Tampa, and now they have to. So I imagine there's a lot of uh, a lot of quiet people with their heads down on the plane. They feel like Tal Bachman. Do you know who that is? No. He's the guy who sings the song. She's so high. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I am but yeah. The, the the lightning are feeling good. And and I was kind of when you we were talking about the the Winnipeg Jets, their backs against the wall, same situation as the Tampa Bay Lightning. Isn't it just striking to see the difference in how a team plays? The Winnipeg Jets, they come out, they're kind of trying to feel the game, trying to see how it's gonna go. Tampa came right out and attacked. Even though Riley gets on the board first, it felt like it was Tampa's game from the drop of the puck. They they were the one initiating everything. They were they were driving the pace of the play. They were forcing Toronto into bad situations. They were getting the puck deep. They were pushing, pushing, pushing. Winnipeg just held back and let Vegas just boom. And me, I know Vegas is a good team. They're better than Winnipeg Jets, but it's just that mentality. It's like you we're gonna win this damn game. We're we're winning this. You're not eliminating us. And I think Tampa has that. And have you woken the beast of Andre Vasilevsky? He hasn't been great. And there was that two-day break between his game um four and five. He was getting a lot of heat. And he said, he even said, I, I should wear x-ray glasses out there to see things better. You don't think he he that affects him? He's like, screw this. I'm taking over the series. Man, if they go to game seven, Tim, oh. here's the question. Is game six a must win for Toronto? Because do you, at home, that's the thing. Is it an advantage to be at home in Toronto for the Leafs again? In this situation, I think it's a disadvantage having to come back with all the distractions. Everybody's blowing you up. You, you're driving to the rank. People are like pounding on your window. You go, come on, what's going on? Don't do it again. It's You can't even turn the TV on. Look at the papers. Look at your phone. It's everywhere. This is a must win to me for the Toronto Maple Leafs in game six. Yeah, you're probably right. The only reason I, I was thinking about it was that major comeback in game four. That that was that showed me. We said it after that game. It felt like a different team, and so I was thinking about that after that game. For I'm like, Tampa's going to force a game seven, and we're all going to say things like, "Did we really let one bad period think Tampa's going to bend over and and just go away? And did we let one good period think that this isn't the same Maple Leafs roster as has been for five years?" And it feels like that's happening. So, um, you know, but like I said, that you have to give them credit for what they did in game four. And so that makes me think that maybe they're better set up for game seven than they have been in the past. But you're right. They don't want to get there. They want to win it tomorrow in Florida. No, they have to. I think if it goes to seven, Tampa wins this series. It has to get done tomorrow. It should have been done yesterday. But your uh, buttholes are getting pretty puckered if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan or player. Because And another thing, Victor Hedman's playing great. He's not putting points on the board. He's, he's playing pretty good hockey. Let me he's read definitely. You. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, this is a, a quote, and you kind of got like, uh, I don't know, people are picking at it for saying something obvious, but I think it's I think it's important. This is your quote from one week ago. We posted this April 18th. I like the Leafs, but they've got to learn to close out a series. That's been their killer. They absolutely can't let this go to seven games. That's that was that's what happened last night. That yeah. that was it was them the, the old demon coming up out of the basement again, saying, "Hey, I'm not done with you." And so, true. If it goes to seven, there's. I don't want to say no way, but if it goes to seven, who would you rather have? Like a Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Sorelli, Hegel, Kalorn, you know, these Vasilevsky. guys, have done, Nick Vasilevsky, Hedman, Sergachev, or guys who just have a history of just folding under pressure and losing in big situations. <laughs> Man, how fun is this? It's awesome. Toronto, Tampa Bay, can't, I can't get enough of it. Another series that just won't go away. Your Bruins, the best team in the world, President's Trophy champion, get Patrice Bergeron back. Everything's right in the world. They lose in overtime. Bad turnover by Linus Allmark. Matthew Kachuk, my man, scores the overtime winner. Now we're going back to Florida. Same situation. Has a different feel to it. 
are you nervous for the Bruins at all? Or is this just a formality? They're going to finish this out. They've had a few days off now. This is their two-day break. They're back in action tonight. What are you thinking with the Bruins, Tim? I am nervous, um, but the reason I'm not panicking is because obviously I think they're a better team. And in game five, the only reason that they won was because we gave them two goals on two really bad turnovers. There was our first one with Bertuzzi, backhand in his own zone, just across the net. Like, yep. where where does that come from? And then obviously the all-mark goal in overtime. To, <laughs> I, watched, I was watching it, and like anyone but Kachuk, anyone but Kachuk, and it wouldn't <laughs> hurt as much, but it did. And of course it was him that buries that. And so the Bruins kind of shot themselves in the foot that game, and they didn't even play that badly. It's just... It was and a couple of questionable, I know this sounds like a homer, but questionable penalties in the third period that I didn't love. And all of a sudden it's heading back to, to uh Florida. And so I'm I'm def- definitely nervous. We should have closed this out in five games. Instead, it's six plus. But like I said, if we don't give them two goals, it's over. So that's why I think we have to just tighten up a little bit. But it also is a good thing. You get Patrice Bergeron back, he scores a goal. Do you think it's beneficial for him to maybe play another game? Because I know all games are important at this time of year, but it could end up being a good thing at the end of the day. Get another more game, another game in the first round. Get him whatever wrong with whatever was wrong with him. Kind of get him feeling better on the ice so they can move on. Because the second round is where it's really going to be exciting on the Eastern Conference. I know all these teams are good, but once you start playing the Devils, whoever it is, Toronto or Tampa Bay, it. Like these are very, very good teams in the second round, any one of them which could win the Stanley Cup. So I think the Bruins will win. You gotta look at things on the bright side of things, Tim. You gotta you gotta have glass half full on this. But the good for the Florida Panthers. I hope they win. Get a game seven back in Boston. How exciting. Another team that people maybe didn't give much chance to, much like the Florida Panthers, the Seattle Kraken. This one I am said, nervous about. I've said it all along. I was one of the few. I said, I don't, I don't trust the Avs. And I didn't say it just this week. I didn't say it yesterday. I said it at the beginning of the season. And I don't, I don't like patting myself on the back. I kind of like to fly under the radar. I'm the only one who ever said this. Me. The Avs are in trouble. They're down 3-2. to two. Seattle Kraken, game five. Outplayed them. Nathan McKinnon crying like a baby because he didn't get a tripping call. Seattle comes back, scores the go-ahead goal. They, they did not look back. Philip Grubauer looked fantastic. The absence of Kale McCarr was noticeable. Nishuskin not there. Landeskog hurt. The Avs are done. Stick a fork in them. Can we do that, Tim? Can we just say Seattle Kraken's going to move on to the second round, shockingly, from where they were last year at this point? No, no. You still have to give the Avalanche credit for who they are and what they've done. And so I think... I think they forced a the game seven, but it's crazy because they have no McCann. And I understand the Avalanche are playing without McCarr, who's probably a bigger impact player. But McCann is the the the, the guy on offense for, for Seattle. And they win it on the road. And I was looking at their roster. The depth of scoring on this team is just so strong. They have 12 players, 12 skaters with at least two points in the series. And they only have three skaters that have zero points. And ironically, Vince Dunn is one of them. He's their best defenseman. But Justin Schultz... I mean, part of it's the power play, and he's just such a good, you know, power play quarterback, such a good passer, um, has five points. But I I like this team, and they're such a likable team, too, like the veneers of the, of the world. Like, he's just like, it's easy to get behind, but I, I'm not ready to say that they're, that Colorado's out of it. No way. Well, yeah, you can't count them out, but this is not, 
and I, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. This is not Seattle winning the series. This is a case of Nashuskin's out. No one knows why. There, there's reports coming out. It's kind of slimy. Landeskog is hurt. Jack Johnson's out. McCarr is suspended. That's why Colorado's losing. They don't have their horses in play. And you talk about depth. When you look at Colorado's lineup, it's just decimated. Absolutely decimated. Other than Lycanin, McKinnon, Rantanen, there's no forward on their roster that scares me at all. You got Mulligan, Eller, Nieto, Comfer, Newhook, O'Connor, Cogliano. Tim, they're, it's just a glorified third or fourth line after the first line of Colorado. All Seattle has to do is just neutralize Nathan McKinnon and they win this series. That's what they did. They focus all their attention on him, especially with Kale McCarr out. Who does the back end have? Samuel Girard? Devin Taves? Okay. Like they're not bad. And I don't think Seattle's overly offensively gifted. You you mentioned it. And we talked about the expansion draft. They didn't go out and get superstars and this and that and really go out like the Vegas Golden Knights did. Yes, in the offseason, they get Bjorkstrand. He's a good player. They re-signed some players. They got McCann. He's having a career year. They're similar to Colorado Avalanche. They got, But instead of having third and fourth line guys, they got a bunch of second and third line guys. So whoever wins this series will get absolutely waxed in the second round. Not even a chance. Even if Colorado wins, I feel like they're just going to get their doors blown off by whoever they play. This is, this is the worst series in the West. It's, it's exciting to watch. It'll be exciting when Seattle wins. Cause I think they will. But once they hit that second round and they get their hands on LA or Edmonton it's, or Dallas or Minnesota or Vegas, it's, it's good night, Cinderella. It's midnight. It's going to be Dallas or Minnesota. And it looks like Dallas is probably going to win that series, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I would not give Dallas the series just yet. I'm just saying Minnesota has, they have some life left in them. All right. We want to give a shout out. I mentioned the other day, give a show. Tim's thought we had some listeners in India. We did not get anybody from India writing in, but we got a couple other countries. Very nice emails from Josh in Taiwan, William in Saudi Arabia, very close to India. Eeeh, stone throw away. Not close? Not that close. It's probably like a thousand miles, but. Tim, on the earth, though, it's close. <laughs> you just right? Said, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. closer than we are to India, Saudi That's, Arabia. That's true. Is Saudi Arabia closer to India than Taiwan? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is because Taiwan's by uh, Australia. Mm-hmm, no, Taiwan's by China. <laughs> don't throw. I'm not ready for a geography quiz, John. They're both Canadian boys, though. They're transplants. I did. I asked them. Nice. And we got another email from Jeff in Australia. Thank you for listening, you guys. Thank you for the email. Jeff wants me to give him my kidney. And do all this stuff for him. So I'm going to try to do that, Jeff. Don't worry. Where is he? He's in Perth, Australia. He sent me this very nice email. He wants to do uh, like a four-team NHL series. I don't know if he's the coach of the Perth Western Australia. He's, it's a long email. It's a long one. But yes, I'll get him in touch. I actually have a good friend down there who's a coach of the Melbourne Mustangs. I think they are. Kerry Goulet. So I'm going to give him his information. See if they can set something up. But yeah, thank you for the emails, you guys. I always love uh, when listeners write in. It's interesting. Australia, Taiwan, Saudi Arabia. Let's go. Keep these emails coming in. I, re- I really appreciate it. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no. Any big plans for the weekend? 
I'm going to watch some hockey. Let's do that. We have a couple games tonight, a couple games tomorrow, a couple games on Sunday. All the series will be the deci- will be decided by the time we talk to you guys again on Monday. Let's just go through them, Tim. Who are we taking? What do we got? Which series are going to Game 7? Tonight we have Hurricanes Islanders, we have Bruins Panthers, Stars and Wild, and Avalanche Kraken. We're back to four games. Who do you have in those games, Tim? People want to know. Yeah, I'm going to go Carolina, Boston, Minnesota, Colorado. So you think two are done, Carolina, Boston, and then we're going to game seven for Dallas and Seattle. Yeah. All right. I like it. I I think the Islanders pull it out. The Hurricanes are starting to worry me. They really are. Tavel Tuervinen. Tavel Tuervinen's out. It's not looking good. I think that one goes to seven. I I think all four of these are going to seven. Isn't that exciting? I think the Panthers are going to ride this wave. Matthew Kachuk has been the best player in this series. He's played so great. He's doing everything you want. Taylor Hall has been the Bruins' best player. You don't really talk about him much. You always are just slobbering all over Pasternak and Bergeron and Marshawn and McAvoy and all these guys and Hampus Lindholm. It's Taylor Hall, baby. He's playing fantastic. And Dimitri Olarov has been doing pretty well on the back end. But I think the Panthers win at home. The Rats will be out. I think Minnesota wins. And obviously, I think Colorado wins. I think all the games are going to seven. Very exciting hockey. Then we go to Saturday, Tim. Toronto, Tampa, Devils, Rangers, Oilers, King. All game sixes. Who do you got in those games? Toronto, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, me too. Devils, Rangers? Devils. Yeah, me too. I think the Devils close it out. I'm losing that one because I picked the Rangers. It's unfortunate. Oilers, Kings. Who do you got? Kings. All right. I like it. Another game seven. Very exciting stuff. And then we will talk to you guys on Monday. We'll go over all the game sevens because they all, I think, are happening on that Sunday. If they do go to seven. No, no. Toronto's is Monday. But every series will be done Monday night, regardless of game sevens or six. And we'll we'll recap them all. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a good weekend. Go out, have some fun. Send us some email. Give us a like on uh, wherever you get this podcast. And we'll talk to you guys later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 